Pass to the Italians. All right. When I was thinking about this uh, sermon, I thought, because I remember that movie, I thought it was passed to the Brazilians, right? And so I was typing that in YouTube, and that's a totally different thing. Um, but Brazilians are better soccer players than Italians, so. Um, pass to the Italians, right? You, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie before, but uh, uh, I coached soccer for a little over 10 years, uh, little, little tiny kids, and um, mostly because I had to, because they didn't have any coaches, not because I really wanted to. Um, and uh, I had these, these rules. As I, as I kind of got better as a coach, I had these rules that I would do, and uh, they were just mine. I wouldn't tell anybody, but uh, one was a thousand touches a day. Uh, to have the kids at practice touch the ball a thousand times. And it, it doesn't matter how, just one, two, three, four, just five, six, just anything you want to do, just touch the ball. Get your feet used to where, where it's going to be. Get to where you don't even have to look at it. You just know where the ball is going to be. And that, that just happens. That repetition just happens. Uh, the other thing that I would do is um, I'd make them, uh, everything was a competition. So if you if we were going to do a cone drill, instead of just lining them up in a big long line and just going down the cones and then running back to the back of the line and standing there, we'd have three lines and we'd uh, get up into three teams and the two losing teams had to run to the fence and back. I always practiced far away from the fence so that I could just say, run to the fence and back. They disrespect one of your teammates, run to the fence and back. So, so we had a thousand touches a day. We had everything's a competition. And the last thing that I didn't tell anybody, uh, not even my wife, uh, I expected to lose the first game. I, I, I always expected. Matter of fact, if, if I won the first game, I I'd be nervous that I didn't do my strategy as well as I should have. And my strategy is this. Don't pass to the Italians. Don't single out one kid on the team that's your star. Because here's what happens in the beginning of AYSO soccer. It might be different for club. I was never talented enough to coach club. Um, but it is that every other team that you play, it's going to go down like this. They're going to pass to their best player. That player is going to dribble in and score. And everyone's going to cheer. And then after that game, all the parents are going to go up to the coach and go, great game, coach. You coached a great game, coach. That was awesome, coach. Hey, we look pretty good this year, don't we, coach? And all of a sudden, endorphins are released. And those endorphins affect the coach's brain. And the coach says, me likey. Me want more of that. And so he, he keeps the same strategy. Pass to the star kid, pass to the star kid. But what ends up happening is all the other kids on the field never advance. They never get better. And my strategy was let the little kids who don't know how to play soccer learn how to play soccer. And so that's, that's what I did. We'd almost always lose our first game. As a matter of fact, one, one time um, it was our first game. It was going exactly as planned. We were down 2-0. And uh, it's, it's halftime, and uh, I bring the kids in, and I'm using it as a learning experience. They're not, they're not moving the ball. They're not passing to space. They don't have their angles right, all these different things. And so I gather everybody around, and all of a sudden, like right next to me, somebody goes, okay, listen up. I'm like, what? He's like, listen up. Uh, here's what we're going to do. And I said, excuse me, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? And it was the grandfather of one of the kids. And uh, I think 
he was a tad bit hydrated. Um, and, <laughs> and so he turns to me and he goes, you're the worst coach I've ever seen in my life. To which then a mom of the other uh, uh, of, uh, of another one of the kids gets up and starts screaming at him. And I'm thinking to myself, this is excellent way to start the year, right? <laughs> I, I, get to, I get to have another conversation with the parents. We don't use that type of language in front of the children, all this kind of stuff. By the way, some of the craziest people who cuss like sailors are like soccer moms in Lululemons. I'm telling you, <laughs> they can go crazy, okay? So, uh, and so it went, as, it went as planned, and we didn't, we didn't lose a game after that. But um, as a matter of fact, not to brag or anything, but to brag, we tied the number one team with only nine players because they were just passing so well. So anyway, uh, before I get to the scriptures, I just want to tell you that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so, but pass to the Italians. And this, this unfortunately, this... Theory, this idea has invaded the church. It's invaded the church that there's some people who are better, smarter, more spiritual than others, namely the pastor. That the pastor, for some reason, there's this idea that the pastor's the, the, the spiritual one. I went to a Catholic retreat center and there was this dedication on the plaque and it was dedicated. There was a reverend on there, and then it said, uh, the very reverend, like that, that was his title, and then the one above it said, the most reverend, and that's how I want to be called right now, from now on, <laughs> the most reverend, right? But that's, that, that, that's the idea, that's the pervasive thing, pass to the Italians, but get, get, the pastor will do it. Now, in our denomination, we're in a series called Free, and we've been talking about our five freedoms, a freedom for uh, any race to worship together, right? All races worship together. For the poor and the wealthy to worship together. Freedom with the Holy Spirit. Freedom for women to be ordained. If you, if you, by the way, if that just shocked you, what I just said, listen to last week's sermon on the podcast, please. Um, and, and this one is the, is the freedom for laity, which is just a fancy word for normal people, you guys, and clergy to share equal authority. Now, that might be foreign to you. You might think, oh, no, you're the pastor. You're like Moses, so you're supposed to listen to you. We're supposed to, yeah, okay. But, <laughs> but, but we're equal. I just happen to be called by God for this particular office, okay? And I, I was chosen by God. I was called by God, and I'm, I'm so thankful. I cannot tell you how much I love being your pastor. I, I, I love it. Good thing I don't struggle with anxiety, or this morning would have been tough, uh, but I, I just, I love, I love it. Now, in our denomination, we have a bunch of boards. I don't want to bore you with this, but they are boards. Um, so we have a board of administration, a finance board, uh, 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 what we call a, a ministerial education and guidance board. That's the one I got in trouble with last week, if you remember that story. Uh, I actually chair that board now, so guess who won? Uh, so, uh, so there's all these boards. Well, on every single board is half laity and half clergy. So when I go to one of these board meetings, some of our best ideas might come from someone who's not clergy, their laity. 
And that's our freedom. And you think to yourself, oh man, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's because you haven't had a thousand touches yet. It's because you haven't seen that it's a competition and we're all on the same team and we're all striving for the same thing, for God's kingdom to be advanced. And Jesus even said beforehand, the gates of hell will not, fail against, will not prevail against it. So there's this girl named Katie that I coached. She couldn't kick with her left foot, okay? She was right-footed or, you know, whatever. And, and that's very common in soccer because, quite honestly, you're not designed to play sport of soccer. You don't just wake up one day and be able to use your feet like that, okay? It takes a lot of practice, thousand touches a day, okay? And so uh, she comes to me and she says, coach, I can't, I can't kick with my left foot. I said, well, yes, you can. It's just, let me just take a look. And so she showed me. I'm like, ooh, man. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And so we start the process because there's always a process. And as you grow, as you change, as you get better at something. So we start about, about two feet away. And I'm like, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to strike the ball and pass it to me and I'll pass it to you. Two feet away. We do it, do it about 30, 40 times. I said, just go home, two feet away, find a wall um, uh, and just do that. Her dad, by the way, said, hey, thanks a lot. She chose my garage door. Uh, and so they're just in there and it's just like, dunk, dunk. Dunk. So we do that next week. We go to five feet. We go to 10 feet. We go to 20 feet. And then we start learning how to loft the ball, like not just to pass, but to loft the ball. And so we just start that process. So we're going to get into the scripture, and I'm going to tell you about Katie at the end of the sermon. Uh, so this is pervasive in the church that there's this idea that there's a superior class of people in the church. They are the pastors. They are the educated ones, the ones that went to seminary, that, uh, you know, all these different things. And then there's just people who are designed, you're supposed to come, sit, listen, and pay, okay? There's that thinking that that's Christianity, that's spirituality. I go to church, I listen to the sermon, I get all this knowledge, and I get smarter, and I know more about God, and I know more ways to feel guilty than I've ever felt before, and this is fantastic, and all this, and then, and then we, we leave. I'm here to tell you that is not what a relationship with Jesus looks like. Now, let's get into the scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So I'm not saying that what I do or what people in authority, that they're not important. Christ himself calls them. He gives them. He, he, he installs them, okay? So there is a sense of, hey, this is an important thing. When I quit my job and took over Living Spring 13 years ago, I felt the weight of my ordination vows. I take vows to be up here and do this. I felt the weight of knowing what it would take to lead God's people. So I know that Christ put me here. He, 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 he called me out from the business world to become a pastor. Why? Why? Why does God appoint certain people? Now this might be new to you, and this might be a shock to you, To equip his people for what? Works of service. My job is to equip you to work. 
to equip you to, the Bible says, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. To see your life different maybe than you had in the past. To see your work different than you have in the past. To see your neighborhood different than maybe you have in the past. To see you going to school maybe different than you have. And it's just little touches. It's a thousand a day. It's nothing big. You don't have to go in and announce to your office, hey, uh, I'm a Christian. Gather around. I've got some information to distill. That's not a touch. A touch is, hey, I, I noticed you have a lot of work on your desk. You need some help. A touch is, you seem, are you okay? Can I pray for you? Or I'll be praying for you, whatever. Just little, little touches, a thousand a day. That's it. And you'll begin to see, hey, I know where the ball's going to be underneath my feet. I don't even have to look at it. And so my job is to equip you to be the best Jesus you can be in your context. Because I can't be at your work. I can't be at your, uh, at your uh, neighborhood. I can't be in your school. And I'd probably mess it up anyway. I'm a coach. My job is to watch how you go and what you do and to, give you, uh, to equip you. Now, why works of service? Just so that we can, like, do I, do I teach them a, a, a thousand touches a day? Do we, do we uh, train competitively all the time just to train? Just to, because it's always important to be able to move a soccer ball underneath your feet. <laughs> no, it's useless unless you're playing soccer. Well, what's the soccer Ephesians is talking about, that Paul is talking about? So that the body of Christ may be built up. The body of Christ may be built up. And so your job is to figure out where God might use you, not in a giant way. It doesn't mean you have to become a missionary. It doesn't mean you have to become a pastor or anything. It's just how can I work to build up the body of Christ? I'll give you an example. We had, um, um, uh, there, there are, we had three new people sign up for children's ministry uh, in the last couple weeks. That's, that's all they're doing. That's all they had to do. And they're building up the body of Christ because there's going to be little kids over in, those, over in those rooms that get to hear about Jesus because they're, they're just, it's just a thousand touches a day. Are they Bible scholars? I don't know, maybe. Do they need to be? No. Maybe they don't even like kids. <laughs> Think about that. But they put on a smile and they're faithful and those kids love their teacher, right? The kingdom is being built up. It could be as simple as that. It can be even simpler. We had an annual meeting a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the future of our church and just the things that we want to get accomplished in 2019. And there are people who set up tables and chairs and there's people who stayed an hour later to clean up. They weren't just cleaning up. They were building up the body of Christ, they were making it possible for us to, to, to meet. Our tech crew, yes, we had some glitches this morning. It wasn't their fault. This, this is my fault. I'm about ready to go crazy with this thing. Um, but the lights come on. The sound comes on. The projector comes on. All that doesn't happen on, on accident. People are using their works of service to build you up. They're here for you. They're here for when you, when you are like so nervous about inviting a coworker to church and you're like oh man oh i don't know i don't know you finally get the courage up and you 
you invite them and they come on the patio and they have a cup of coffee. That, Jesus didn't make that coffee, okay? Somebody else did. Somebody was building up the body of Christ and that person gets some coffee and they begin to meet people and then they come in and they're greeted with, with a, and they get their bulletin. That doesn't just happen. It's works of service to build up the body of Christ. Now watch what happens next. Because this is the vision of the church until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. God wants you to become mature. If you want to frustrate a pastor, be a Christian for 30 years and be immature. It drives us crazy because we failed. Our job is to equip you for works of service, that there might be unity in the faith, and that the, the body of Christ might become mature. That's the ultimate goal. Now watch this. This is so cool. Okay, so let's review real quick. I'm placed here. Pastor Jonathan is placed here. Pastor Keith, Brianna, Marquise, Lorraine as we move towards ordination for them, to equip you, that's our job, for works of service so that we will be unified and that the body of Christ will become mature. What does it look like to be mature? That's, very, that's a great question. What does a good soccer player look like? What does it take to be a good soccer player? What does it take to become uh, like the Italians? Like we pass to the Italians, right? What, is it, what does it take to do that? What, how would I know? Well, if I'm watching soccer, I would, I would see how do you handle the ball? I mean, if, if, you, if you can't stop it, if you can't make it go where you want it to go, if, you can't, uh, if you're scared of it, you're probably not a good soccer player. But with Christianity, it's kind of hard. Like, do, like is it, is, do I need to know a lot of verses to be, to be mature? Do I need to uh, not sin like, if, uh, uh, to, to be mature, do I need to lead a Bible study to be mature? I have such exciting news for you. Uh, it's not those things. Those things are part of it. But if you want to know if you're mature or not, apply your life to verse 13, the end of verse 13. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you want to know if you're mature or not, how much are you like Jesus? I've been, we've been talking about the future of our church and uh, all the great things we, 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 we're doing. And um, our tagline or the thing that comes up after Living Spring is belong, believe, be changed. And I believe strongly that anyone can belong. Anyone. Anyone who walks through those doors. I don't care what, where you're coming from, what your past is, whatever, what your political orientation is, what your sexual orientation is, what race you are, whatever, you can belong here. But I'm going to try to get you to believe some things. <laughs> if I say belong, believe, I want to get you to believe some things. And so I might, try to get, I might try to get you to believe something you didn't believe when you first walked through those doors. But at least we... But at least you can belong, believe. And then I want you to be changed. I want you to be equipped. I want you to be mature. I want so desperately 
for you to be like Jesus. I want you to be like him at your work, at your home, how you do your finances, how you think about the other people, how you think about those who are disenfranchised, who you come in contact with, how you come in contact with them, how you humble yourself as Jesus humbled himself. That's a, that is a really great church. <laughs> I was going to say kick butt, but then I thought someone's going to hear me say kick butt and then they're going to write me a letter. So I didn't say that. Uh, that is a f- fantastic church. That's an amazing church. A church full of Jesuses, right? To attain the fullness of Christ. Watch this. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. I, just w- I wanted to stop here for just one second. If you find yourself on the internet and you are just getting yourself riled up because it's just this or that or who or what, that is an indication that you are not experiencing the fullness of Christ. I have a very difficult time thinking that Jesus or, or would believe that Jesus would spend time getting riled up. You know, it's like, you know, oh, did you see what Caesar did? Oh, I, I, this is inappropriate. I cannot believe it. You know, all this kind of stuff. Next thing, you know, I, I just don't see him doing that, right? So if I find myself doing it, there's a chance I'm not experiencing the fullness of Christ. I'm just being tossed here and there. Oh, what happened this morning? Oh, no. What happened here? Oh, they, who's in power? Who got elected? Oh, help. That's not Jesus. That's not maturity. Now, should you be concerned? Absolutely. And be involved. That doesn't bother me. But when there's this, oh, I'm, I'm going back and forth, and I don't know, and I'm anxious, and all these things, there's a chance it might not be Jesus. And we're we should no longer be infants. That's the idea that we're not being mature. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and every meme and every little thing and the cunning and craftiness of people. Now watch this. Mm, this is great. Instead, speaking the truth in love. You say, ah, I got you. Speaking the truth. That's what I do on my social media. I find the truth on the internet, and then I post it on the internet. That's what I do, all right? Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry, the in love part, that's kind of a big part. Prepositional phrases in the Bible are kind of a big deal, okay? In love, in love. How do I speak the truth? How do I, when someone comes in that's belonging and They don't believe the way I do. How do I try to convince them to believe, although that isn't my number one goal, in love? To go, let me just have a conversation with you. Let me just take you out to lunch. Let Let me listen to why you believe what you believe. And so that's our thing, belong, believe, be changed. But as we talk about changing the church, I thought about this tagline. You can can tell me if you like it or not, or you can say you hate it. It doesn't matter because I'm just thinking about it. Living spring. Living as though Jesus were more important than anything. Don't you like, I like that. I don't know. We might not use it. Living as though Jesus is more important than anything. If Jesus it, it incorporates my thought patterns, if I think like Jesus, 
Don't you think my life's going to go better? If I love like Jesus, if I serve like Jesus, as though he's more important than anything in the world. Instead, we speak the truth in love. This is what he did. When Jesus spoke the truth, it was always in love because why? He's God. And guess what God is? Love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Now listen to what it says. So Christ is our head. He is the good shepherd. I am a sheepdog, okay? Yes, I am a shepherd. I'm called that too, but mostly I'm a sheepdog. I listen to the shepherd. He says, all y'all sheep, they're in the wrong pasture. You got to go bark and nip at them and, you know, bite at their heels and all that kind of stuff and get them over to this way. That's, That's my job. Why? From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. In our denomination, laity is cherished. I looked up the definition of laity, and I was telling Jonathan this morning, and um, I didn't like the definition. It was just like ordinary people as opposed to clergy. And I'm like, ordinary people? Have you met the people who go to Living Spring? They are not ordinary people. It should have said extraordinary people, just like clergy, because I think we're extraordinary too, right? That, that, we're, that there's this idea that the kingdom of God advances every time you make a touch, just a little touch, whatever it is, just getting you used to it. You say, John, I'm so afraid to fail. You always fail your first game always it shows you're trying it shows that you're 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 doing something you're not quite yet prepared to do but you're taking a swing at it why because then you become mature you become unified as you grow up in love and so so yeah you're gonna lose your first game i i i went to so at my old church the one before the one before um we had this guy who was an evangelist I mean, he would lead people to Christ, like he'd sneeze, and someone would be like, I, I, yes, Lord, I want, like, I don't know how he did it, but, but he would tell, he'd, every day, he'd come, every Sunday, he'd come, and he'd be like, oh, man, I was in the grocery store by the milk aisle, and uh, I saw this person, and I asked him, do you want to, you know, accept Jesus, and they're like, yeah, and I'm like, oh. so, so he's an evangelist, okay, given by God, to the church to equip me to evangelize. So I thought, hot diggity, I'm going to do it. Teach me, all, teach me tricks and secrets. What is it, like sleight of hand? Do you, do you, is it, you know, bait and switch? Like, how do you get them? How do you, you know, get them to accept Jesus, you know? Because it's, oh, it's just, that's how you do it. It's just one transaction, and then you're set, right? That's, that, that was my theology back then. So he's like, he's like well, you, you just start talking to them. See, this is the problem with people who are gifted. That's what it appears to them. Like, you just talk, right? It's like, how do you juggle the chainsaws? I don't know. You just throw them up in the air and you catch them. Like, what's the big deal, right? So, so he, he's like, you know, take him out to lunch and just talk to him. So I, I, I chose my boss. I don't, I, I don't know why, but I take him out to lunch. And I go through the whole thing, four spiritual laws, Romans Road, 
pathways to this, this, you know, all this. Where would you go if you died? And all, whatever. He's like in the ground. I'm like, I know, but I'm going to go after that. And so I'm going through this whole thing. And, but I, I didn't know how to close the deal. So I go, so what do you think? <laughs> you you want to you wanna, uh, accept Jesus in this El Pollo Loco? <laughs> right? Like, you, want, you, ready, you ready to accept Jesus? And he's like, no. I'm like, okay. I'll just eat my chicken, you know. <laughs> I failed. Failed my first game. Do you know what it did? It made me realize it didn't really hurt to fail. Mike and I are still friends. I, I've known him for years and years and years. He knows the Lord. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it didn't, it didn't hurt. It's just, a, it's just a competition. It's just a game. Now, yes, do I care? Is somebody's eternity? Absolutely, I care. I kept a relationship with him the whole time. But that one event, if you're worried about failing, go out there and fail. Fall down. Try to kick the ball. Kick it as hard as you can into the goal, and it goes over, and you turn around and go, that was awesome. I can kick the ball high. Listen to this. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Listen to this last part. Mm -mm -mm. As each part does its work. So my question to you this morning, where do you work? What do you do? Have you been coming to church for a long time and you've been getting fed and that's great and there's a time when you shouldn't be doing anything. You should be a time for healing, a time for growth, a time for all those things. But then there's a time to get out on the field. There's a time to just say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try. So I told you about Christy, uh, or I forget what I called her, Katie. Was it Katie? Yeah, neither one of her, her real name. It's Amanda, but uh, <laughs> told you I'd never get tired of it. So Katie, or Christy, whatever her name is, we're in the last game of the season. And one of the things that I, uh, I can do at a soccer game is I can see it before it happens. For some reason, I don't know why. Um, but I just see everything as angles and, and, and timing and all this kind of stuff. And so Katie, I see the girl off to the, to the right, and there's an open spot on the goal, and Katie's in the middle, and I'm like, that's left foot. That's left foot, left corner. Oh, man. Kicks it. Comes in, Katie scores with her left foot. She turns around to me, and she goes, Coach! She comes sprinting, around, sprinting at me. She goes, Coach, I scored with my left foot. I said, I know, I saw, I'm so proud of you. All that work, all that time, all those touches, it paid off, you scored. Now that's a great story, right? And it makes me look great. The better part of the story is what happened about 10 minutes later. She scores again with her left foot. And she didn't turn to me. She turned to her teammates. Because now... She's the girl who can score with her left foot. And she went up and they hugged and they did everything that girl soccer does when somebody scores and uh, have all this weird stuff they do. She was equipped. 
But she was the one doing the work. She was the one who had to get out there. She had to do a thousand touches. She was the one driving her parents crazy and probably dented her garage door with, with her left foot. But she did it. And at the end of the day, the team was built up. We each have a responsibility, both me as clergy and you as laity, to figure out what we need to do to build up the body of Christ. Where do you serve? What do you do? Where do you work? How do you work? And our job as a pastoral team and a teaching team is that when you have those questions like, what can I do? We guide you in the right direction. 